the truth. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth. But no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back. I hope you're doing well. So I think when we consider what happened in Israel uh, uh, about 11 days ago, uh, seeing the brutality of the attack, the brutality of what Hamas is doing, uh, that kind of what most people call radical Islamic fundamentalism. I just call it fundamental Islamicism. That's just fundamental. You have to understand Islam. Uh, but given the light of that, the horrendous nature of their crimes and that attack, the personal nature of it versus 9-11, we have big explosions. We have 3,000 people dead. But now with 1,300 to 1,400 Israelis dead as a result of that day and that attack, uh, that's like 20 times 9-11 relative to them having less than 10 million people in our population. Uh, the similar event in, in America would be uh, 50, 60,000 dead in one day. So literally 20 9-11s. So I think it's easy for us to respond with what Israel is doing and to hit back and to eventually probably go in and deal with Hamas, which is going to create all kinds of civilian casualties because that's just the lay of the land there. Uh, so it's easy to think about it emotionally. It's easy to think about it from a Christian perspective in terms of uh, the apple of God's eye for some of us uh, look at Israel that way. Uh, and, and I think it's pretty easy to look at from a geopolitical perspective. America is Israel's number one ally. But what about from an ethical perspective, a Christian perspective, a theological perspective? How do you manage it then? And so that's, that's why I'm always going to challenge you, always have and always will. And I do it in my own, uh, in my own classrooms. Uh, I, I primarily want to think like a Christian first, a, an American second. And uh, the only reason I'm able to think like that at this point in my life is because of the incredible education I got at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and the ethics program there when I got my master's degree in ethics. And the head of the ethics program is my dear brother, uh, Dr. Daniel Heimbach, who is uh, got such an incredible resume. And praise the Lord, uh, Dan graduated from the Naval Academy. He was an officer, 72 to 77. He worked uh, in Richard Luger's office in the Senate. He worked in the White House from 89 to 91 and has been teaching for over 30 years now at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and was my senior ethics professor. Dan, what an honor to have you on. How are you, my friend? I'm fine. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for uh, for coming on and making the time. And uh, you heard the setup, but in terms of just your initial reaction as a Christian, as an American, as somebody that has served our nation and has been teaching ethics. What, what was your first reaction that Saturday, Dan, when you saw what was happening uh, to Israel? Well, a tremendous sadness, but not surprise. Um, human nature being what it is, I mean, it's just terrible loss of life, terribly unjustified, I think, very, very clearly, uh, for anyone who thinks straightly, straight. Um, and yet this sort of thing has been going on and on, uh, and uh, they're, they're just intransigently opposed uh, ways of looking at the world and reality that are le- leading people to feel self-righteous in, in doing terribly, terribly evil things. So uh, just, a, just terrible sadness, loss, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, at the loss of life. 
Yeah, and, and one of the things that you see, we saw it starting that day. We've seen it for years, and, and uh, understanding that there's uh, nothing new under the sun, as King Solomon uh, taught us. People look at Israel like it's some kind of invading force. Thank you, as always, for your preparation for the show. I'm just reading from uh, the second page what you sent me, Dan. Uh, the state of Israel created in 1948 was not an invading force, never conquered a pre-existing state, never stole property, and never colonized territory. It's it's shocking to a certain degree, Dan, how, how misinformed the general public is about the uh, birth of Israel uh, as a state in 1948 and the Palestinian people, the ignorance is just staggering to me. Well, uh, it's a good observation. The, but uh, we're living in a world in which uh, there's a lot of misinformation on purpose where people are trying to control the media narrative of what's going on in order to uh, change how people feel about things. And so uh, it's very, very important to uh, counter the misinformation with true information as to what really the circumstances are, what is the state of real Israel is, you know, how it started, and what it's up against. Yeah, and so we've got about a minute and a half, Dan, before we hit the first break. Uh, but just kind of let's just start uh, early on uh, and going back to 1948, Israel becoming a state, which really wasn't their idea. This was the UN versus. Uh, the start of what we would call the Palestinian people. I, I just think people don't understand the history here. Well, really, they uh, they did not start at the same time. Uh, when Israel became a state in 1948, uh, there were a lot of things going on, but there was no pre-existing state in the region. Uh, it was under it was right after World War II, and uh, the uh, British. Uh, uh, country of uh, Great Britain was in control of the area, and uh, they didn't want to stay. Uh, you know, they didn't want to colonize the area. They wanted to pass it on to uh, indigenous leadership. But uh, obviously, there are some very, very deep feelings, a lot of commitments, a lot of opposing religious uh, views, and so forth. And they wanted to proceed the right way, and they're working closely with the UN to do it. Uh, so there wasn't a pre-existing state in the region. When uh, they uh, started the uh, state of Israel in 1948, so it didn't. Uh, there, there wasn't a conquering of a state. There wasn't a replacing of a state. Uh, there wasn't a uh, you know a, a, a dispossession uh, of an existing uh, state. Israel was created in 1948, and and there were no Palestinian people. There were people living in the area, but there were no such thing as Palestinian people. People don't realize that. Um, that didn't really start until the uh, Palestinian state, uh, well, until the PLO was uh, organized yeah. 18 years after uh, Israel was uh, established as a state in 1964. Yeah, and so we will uh, come up on a break here in about 30 seconds, Dan. We'll continue to work through uh, the history here, starting back in 1948 and all the way forward. And then we'll get into Gaza, the Gaza Strip, what's going on there. And then we'll get into uh, what's actually been happening in the Israeli response, trying to understand uh, from a theological perspective, what does Israel have a right to do? Uh, and then what, how do you deal with it? Because you're walking into the Gaza Strip, which is full of people that uh, arguably are not your enemy. Many of them are are not, but a lot of them are. How do you tell the difference? It's very, very sticky, a very, very difficult situation over there. Dan, I'm going to put you on hold. We're talking to Dr. Daniel Heimbach, the senior professor of ethics at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was my senior professor of ethics when I got my master's degree there. A lot to talk about and a great mind to plumb the depths with. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show, an important topic today as I finally had the time to get into the Israel situation there with the Gaza Strip and uh, be, be in prayer. Don't just watch uh, mindlessly watch for hours and hours all the things going on over there. Make sure you're in prayer over all of this. We have to utilize that. It's the most powerful tool in our bags. So make sure you're praying for all the people involved, the leadership involved, uh, American leadership, which needs tons of prayer for obvious reasons. Uh, just make sure you're not just consuming like uh, a typical person watching the news. Make sure you're being a prayerful, prayerful person. The state of Israel created in 1948 was not an invading force, never conquered a pre-existing state, never stole property, and never colonized territory. So you have to understand your history as we consider what's going on over in Israel today and talking to my good friend, Dr. Dan Heimbach, senior uh, ethics professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. How's your retirement going, Dan? Well, uh, I'm I'm actually not really retired. I'm still <laughs> teaching and mentoring and writing and uh, still as busy as I've ever been. <laughs> that tends to happen when people uh, bounce around the whole notion of retirement. I mean, I had to make an appointment with my parents just to see them once they retired. So just praise the Lord that well, I'm, I'm retired in the sense that they're paying me from a different account. That's all. <laughs> I'm still doing the same thing. <laughs> That's a great way of looking at it. By the way, uh, uh, you all know that I've been uh, teaching ethics for years and have uh, just, I, right now, Dan, I've got about. Uh, 55 students in my ethics classes right now, which is awesome. But one of the greatest books, if you if you want to uh, kind of get into this pool, which you should, uh, uh, Dr. Heimbach wrote this one just recently, Fundamental Christian Ethics. You can just Google that and get to it. Uh, it's an incredible book to take you through uh, really uh, an incredible list of hot topics that we're dealing with across the board here in America and around the world uh, from a biblical perspective. That's why I went to Southeastern was to sit under the teaching of Dr. Heimbach fundamental Christian ethics. I'll put a link up for that on Facebook Live and Rumble as we go forward. But again, Dan, thanks for your time today. And and understanding history kind of sets the stage properly because a lot of people act like Israel was some kind of conquering force and came in and took land. But that was never the case versus the Palestinians looking at Palestine, which was referred to as a region. I just read the Balfour Declaration from 1917 and, and Palestine is in there as a region, but it wasn't a country. And then people really weren't called Palestinians until what, about 1964? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they weren't called Palestinians in 1964. That was a, uh, a term created by uh, the, the Palestine Liberation Organization. And then uh, the state, there was no state of Palestine, as there is now, until 1988, which is 40 years after the state of Israel began. Yeah, and so what happened? How did Israel handle uh, the non-Jewish Arabs that were in what would become the Jewish state in 1948. Did they throw them all out? Did they imprison them? Or what was that uh, relationship? Well, well, that's a good question. You'd think that uh, they must have been, uh, you know, they just uh, ran everybody out, but actually they did not. Uh, they uh, welcomed anybody who was there to stay. And if they did, they uh, they kept their land, they kept their property, uh, and were made uh, full citizens of the state with uh, equal voting rights and, and, and legal rights as everybody else. So, uh, in fact, uh, a little less than half of them did stay. And uh, a, a significant uh, percentage of the Israeli population now are, uh, you know, the same people that uh, had been there. And um, so the, uh, the uh, a little over half, about 700,000 at that time, decided – not to accept that they uh, they decided to leave their property it was voluntary 
uh, hoping to get it back uh, when uh, when the Muslim you know Muslim forces might uh, destroy right. Israel right. and they'd move back. But uh, uh, and there's been a right to return if they if they simply change their mind and decide to go back, they can go back. And uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure how it's going to work whether they can reassume their property, but they yeah, can they yeah. can come back and live as as uh, as free and equal citizens. And uh, a significant, you know, because so many uh, Palestinians stayed uh, at the time that Israel was formed, uh, there's a huge, uh, at least 20 percent of the Israeli population, that is, of Israeli citizens, are Palestinian mm. or Arab Muslims. Arab, right, and, Muslims. Um, and, it's the, and the Muslims are the, the second largest religious group in, in Israel after the, after the Jews. A lot of people don't mm. realize that. Yeah. What about the Gaza Strip itself? What, what's the what's the history of the Strip? Well, the Gaza Strip um, was uh, set aside, uh, you know, as a, as it was in, initially administered by Egypt, and set aside as a place where Palestinians who did, did not want to cooperate with Israel could live. Uh, but then, in uh, 1967, there was something called the Six Day War, right. uh, in which the uh, Israel was attacked by all their surrounding nations, and uh, they were quickly Israel quickly rose to the top and and, and defeated them. But in that process, they uh, they took back the uh, the Gaza Strip, and uh, and then um, after that, some years after that, Israel voluntarily uh, decided to give it back to the people who uh, who had attacked them and lost it. So they've been extremely tolerant and patient and kind toward a population that has never ceased attacking them, uh, and and uh, uh, simply does not want to uh, to cooperate and be part of Israel. Yeah, and so when we hear whether it be the PLO, Hezbollah, Hamas, uh, the Iranians, the government especially, when we hear them say uh, "death to America, death to Israel," we want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. That's literal. That's not hyperbole, correct? Well, you see that in the the uh, in the news right now. The signs yeah. that that they're carrying is from the river to the sea. Mm. Uh, that means from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Ocean. In other words, completely eradicate Israel altogether. That's what from the river to the sea means. Uh, which is interesting. If we just had a if we, if we just uh, had a ceasefire and everybody decided to get along. Uh, then the uh, the people of Gaza and the people of Israel could be uh, could be neighbors and uh, and uh, we'd have peace. But if uh, uh, Israel, I mean, that is, if Hamas stopped fighting, we would right. have uh, peace and and everybody could be friendly neighbors. But if Israel stopped fighting, mm-hmm. every Jew would be murdered and expelled, and there'd be no Israel. Yeah, and that's why th- th- some people act like there's some kind of moral equivalency here, but there isn't. Yeah, and it's and it's black well, and white. Yeah, the, uh, the the Gaza Strip is not is not fighting for survival. Israel's fighting for survival. Hamas isn't fighting for. It. So um, the uh, it, I think it's been you know there's Israel has shown extreme patience, uh, extraordinary mm-hmm. patience. And, yeah. But there's a, it, but that's not limitless. And so uh, I think they've uh, it, it's we've reached a time where uh, Israel's patience in the face of aggression from Hamas. And let me let me make a distinction between. You know, citizens of Gaza and and Hamas. Uh, every citizen of Gaza is not a terrorist. Uh, right. The ha- Hamas, though, is. 
Yep. And uh, and so uh, the uh, really the people of, of of Israel are being threatened in their security, but the people who are in most danger from this fighting are the people that uh, Hamas is uh, insist you know won't won't allow to flee right. and are using as human shield. That's right. And uh, I think the. Uh, the, the most recent devastation that we saw, the destruction of this hospital, That's right. was a result of uh, rockets fired by yeah. Hamas that, that was uh, Hamas. go right by the hospital and one yeah. went off target. Yep, Biden even uh, brought that up today when he was stumbling through his comments. Dan, I'm going to put you on hold. We're talking to Dr. Dan Heimbach, Senior Ethics Professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show, talking to my brother in Christ, my dear friend, a mentor of mine. He was my senior ethics professor when I was at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary uh, and eventually, finally, <laughs> took a little while, got my master's degree in ethics, theology, and culture. Dr. Dan Heimbach uh, has just been a huge blessing to me personally and a huge blessing to the body of Christ. Uh, he was a... Uh, born in China, missionary parents, and eventually ended up at the Naval Academy and served as an officer, uh, was in the uh, Richard Luger's office in the Senate, served in the White House, 89 to 91, and then has taught, been teaching ethics for over 30 years now at uh, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and just a tremendous blessing uh, to me personally, and really to everybody in the office, Dan, All everything that you've taught me, I've turned to tr- tried to turn around and teach to other people, so still a lot of uh, fruit coming off that tree when I was bugging you in class all those years going and uh, using the training that you have and passing it on to others amen and that's uh that's what we're here for all of us uh from the top down but thank you again for helping us understand the history and what's going on over there i really appreciated what you said right before the break if hamas gives up uh you can have peace but if israel gives up uh, you're gonna have a genocide from the river to the sea, from the Jordan River to the sea, because that's what they want. Uh, that's not just Hamas. That's Hezbollah. That's uh, Al-Qaeda. That's all the terrorist organizations out there. That's the state of Iran. And, and that's not hyperbole. They actually mean it. Uh, how important, Dan, is it? And then I want to talk about just the uh, if there's any ethical conundrums that Israel has going into, assuming they go into Gaza when they've got, as you were saying, not everybody in Gaza is a terrorist, not every Muslim is a terrorist, but just about every terrorist is a Muslim. And, and then not everybody in Gaza is, is a part of uh, Hamas. But in terms of understanding Islam, how, how important is it that we have a working knowledge of the theology of Islam in order to understand things like what Hamas is doing? Well, I, I could go on and on on that. So I'm <laughs> I know, trying to think I know. of what would, be the, what would be the brief thing that I could, I could say. But it's absolutely essential to understand that uh, the Muslim view of peace is not at all close to uh, to what we in the West think of, of as peace. Yeah. Uh, for us, uh, peace means uh, not using violence. Uh, for, for the Muslim, in the Muslim mind, peace is uh, submitting to Allah. And, uh, and so uh, there is no peace when uh, you have uh, anyone who has not submitted to Allah. And so any use of force is uh, is uh, justified in yeah. order to bring the world into uh, uh, military, uh, political, as well as as um, uh, religious submission to uh, to their view of God. So uh, the people to the people.
people, in by their view of peace, uh, what Hamas is doing is fighting for peace by destroying the peace of everybody else. Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's al-Islam. I mean, I talk about that in my classes. It's uh, ultimate submission. The only peace you have if you're not a Muslim is by giving up, and maybe they might let you live. Oftentimes they do not. It, it's a conquering peace. And, and the other thing that I would mention briefly, Dan, as you know all too well, is when it comes to Islam, uh, these guys, and, and they're, they're putting it out there recently, that they're all about uh, creating this kind of worldwide havoc and, and try to uh, usher in the 12th imam. That's their version of a messiah coming back to rule the world under Sharia law. And, and that's what they think they can accomplish. Uh, we pray and we evangelize and we engage the world with the gospel. They try to take over in order to get the 12th Iman to show up. And that's important. That's what's driving them. They have a overall worldview here that drives them to this level of violence. It's not just about a piece of land. It's much bigger than that. Isn't that a big let part me, of it? Let me, uh, let me bring a point to connect that to our ethical discussion that, um, for the Muslim, uh, in the Muslim mind, in, in the Quran, uh, their view of the ethics of war uh, really is, when it comes to uh, fighting Israel or any non-Muslim state, is, is what we call crusade. It's an ethic of crusade. That's, that's why right. they don't distinguish between combatants and non-combatants, and that's why they don't have any limitation on, uh, on uh you know, evil means. Uh, that's why they don't uh, have any sense of a proportionality use of force in how they fight, because they're fighting in uh, a crusade ethic, whereas uh, the West, including Israel, Israel's not perfect, and they've done some things from time to time that, that violate sure. uh, just war. But they have tried, uh, by and large, very carefully to distinguish between combatants and non-combatants. And uh, the, what I'm seeing going on right now in terms of the media and response and so forth is that uh, the strategy of Hamas is to, is to, fight, is to fight in crusade terms. They uh, decapitate babies. They rape and take pillage. You know, they, they rape and pillage and take, take uh, innocent hostages and, and so forth. They intentionally target uh, civilian targets and, and so forth. But – it's not reciprocal. Right. In their mind, uh, they will they will uh, they will complain and they will uh, uh, argue that you know okay Israel hit a hospital that's that's civilian targets. Well, they're not distinguishing between civilian and military targets, but they sure think we must. Yeah. So uh, Israel is trying very hard to uh, to not uh, hit civilian targets to minimize the loss of innocent life. There's always going to be collateral damage. Yeah. And, uh, and so they very definitely did not target a hospital. But um, they, uh, they, because they're trying very hard to, to only target uh, where the rockets are being shot off and that sort of thing. Uh, but there's always collateral damage. So there's yeah. a difference between civilians that suffer as a result of collateral damage and civilians that suffer because they are the focus of attack. And that's the difference between Hamas and Israel right now. Yeah, and it, and that's where we have to be, I think, for us as believers, Dan, that we have to be very patient here and, and struggling with what we're going to see because this is going to get worse, and we're probably not talking weeks. I mean, we could be talking months. And the threat of this expanding into a regional-wide conflict, uh, which, God forbid, that should happen. But we have to be very patient and very prayerful because this is going to be very, very difficult especially if Israel decides to go in and take Gaza and institute a new government there. I mean, there's going to be a lot of civilian casualties. But again, from a, from an ethical perspective, 
it's really a matter of are you targeting civilians or are they and, and I don't mean that for this to sound cold hearted. Are they collateral damage? Because the intent is really the huge difference here, right, between the Israelis and Hamas. Uh, Israel is using all the force they need to to win the military objectives, but they're not they're not intentionally using more force than they have to. They're not intentionally destroying more buildings than they have to. And they're certainly not intentionally targeting any any uh, civilian life. Um, Whereas Hamas, that's the whole point. Uh, they don't distinguish, yeah. and they, their, the ethic that they use in in uh, complaining to the media <laughs> of how Israel is fighting them is not the ethic that they're using right. in uh, in fighting in fighting Israel. So, uh, in some ways, uh, the best thing that could happen to the civilian um, population of uh, the Gaza Strip would be if if uh, Israel would take over because yeah. they would be safer yeah. than they are right now under Hamas. Yeah, it's such a powerful point and uh and that's something we need to remember. It it would be better for them, the Palestinian people living in uh Gaza Strip if Israel took over than yeah. if you leave things the way they are. Such a powerful point, well, Dan. Go ahead. Go ahead. Clearly clearly Netanyahu uh is is saying the way I'm reading him, yeah, they they're not just simply going to fire a few rockets back and leave it at that. They mm-hmm. are now planning to go in and uh, retake control of the Gaza Strip so that there would be no uh, separate Palestinian government uh, of the Gaza Strip. It would become part of Israel. Yeah. Uh, under you know, But when they do that, uh, now they have to do that if they're going to stop this constant um, uh, attack from the Gaza Strip on, um, you know, on uh, civilian Jewish yeah. neighbors, yep. uh, which they've been doing over and over and over again for decades. So there, it's at the point where we can't tolerate this anymore. Yeah. We have to stop it. And so the aim will be to get rid of Hamas, but not the people of, of the Gaza Strip. Yeah. So they will they will. So how do you distinguish between Hamas? And, hmm. Well, basically, you know, they dress the same and so yep, forth, unless sure. they wear these tur- turbans. But uh, basically, if you have a gun and you're aiming it at me, that's Hamas. Yeah. And if you're if you're if your hands are up and you're trying to run away, then that's not Hamas. Basically, that's the distinction that they're yeah. going to have. So anybody who who doesn't want to fight will be will you know will be uh, will be will be preserved. Anybody yeah. that wants to fight will be shot and killed until the whole land is retaken and then everybody that's there will be have have a free choice yeah that's right of uh becoming an israeli citizen having all the rights that everybody else has keeping the property that they have right it, israel yep. isn't going in there to take property and if you want to stay and cooperate and be a nice citizen then you can have your property and uh, but if you don't want to, you'll be allowed to leave. Yeah, it's um, really. So. Yeah, that's and we're up against the break. But that's that that's the kindest thing that can happen here, which is what Israel's after, which is why we need to support them and pray for them. Dan, thank you so much for your time and expertise. Always a blessing, my friend. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. All right. Bye. We'll talk later. That was Dr. Dan Heimbach. What a blessing. A few more things from him and then a pretty big announcement, to say the least. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. I wanted to share a couple more things from Dr. Heimbach. And then I will uh, share my big announcement. So he was comparing and contrasting Israel to Hamas, which when you hear Hamas, Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, Iran, they're all in the same boat. Okay, Uh, so he said this on the one hand, the blockading of humanitarian relief is all being done by Hamas, not Israel. The hindering of civilians fleeing to safety is all being done by Hamas, not Israel. The hostage taking is all being done by Hamas, not Israel. The targeting of civilians and civilian targets is all being done by Hamas, not Israel. Beheading babies and raping girls has all been done by Hamas, not Israel. Rejoicing over civilian deaths has all been done by Hamas, not Israel. On the other hand, Israel has warned the people of Gaza to get out before invading in order to minimize killing civilians, and Hamas did not. Israel has given the people of Gaza lots of time to escape, and Hamas did not. Israel's bombing campaign is aimed at hitting places from which rockets are being launched, and Hamas is firing rockets specifically targeting civilian centers. Israel has tried to free hostages, and Hamas has only tried to keep them. Israel will restore food, electricity, and water if Hamas frees innocent hostages, and Hamas wants innocent people to suffer rather than return the hostages. So, there you go. You have to understand that. Uh, By the way, this was a a little three-page document that Dan threw together, which has the history of Israel and Palestine, the region of Palestine, the people of Palestine, the Palestinian people. Uh, So if you want, I'll send you a copy of that if you want it. Um, Just email me, okay, steve at thestevenobleshow.com, steve at thestevenobleshow.com. Dan being an ethics professor, speaking of teaching, um, Noble U started in 2012, and... uh, grew a little bit here and there. I didn't really press into it uh, all that much and then added, started with civics, added Christian ethics, then three years ago, uh, U.S. history, and then this year added world history. Uh, in my first class was civics back in 2012, had 25 students. Now I teach all four of those classes, four in person at our home, four in person at Shepherd's uh, Church down in Cary, and then all four are now available online. And I currently have 235 students. Uh, it, 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 it will uh, continue to grow, God willing. We want it to grow. But it's gotten to the point of several things going on here uh, as far as me personally. Uh, been having, uh, for the last year and a half or so, just weighing Noble U and teaching and my time there and effort there versus the radio show. And uh, I, I'm, pr- I'm a pretty good juggler, have been for years. I can do a lot of different things. I'm a pretty high-capacity, high-energy person. Uh, but sooner or later... Uh, you have diminishing returns. And sooner or later, you realize that you cannot be a jack of all trades. And now I'm 57. Okay, I'll be 58 in February. The question being, how many years, Lord, uh, will I have this level of energy? And what do you want me to do with it? And it really boiled down to a conversation which started with my wife and I, and then in prayer with the Lord, and then in uh, talking to my individual board members, and then which led to a vote by, by my board members in the, in the radio ministry, which is also part of a noble you. And the question, it was really boiled down to a question. Take everything that I'm capable of that God has put in me, uh, energy level, speaking, whatever, knowledge, whatever. And, and if you, if you have 15 years left to, to use it, what would you use it for? Would you use it on the one hand over here on radio, really, really talking to the choir for lack of a better way of explaining it. It's us. It's our, it's our group. Okay. That, that over here, which has, I believe, tremendous value or, Do you want to take those 15 years and pour them into the next generation Uh, and maybe the next two generations, God willing? But you can't do both. Which would it be? 
And without, without hesitation, every single person I had that conversation with and every single person that heard me talk about it chose the next generation, not, not our generation. They chose the next generation. And, and that's where I'm at. My heart is more in the classroom than it is in this studio. I, I love radio. Radio has turned me into what I believe to be an effective teacher. But, but there's, there came a time for choosing. And so in prayer and talking and conversation and then asking my board, my, 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 uh, the chairman of my board was like, Steve, you know, we're here to support you and uh, counsel you and hold you accountable. I don't know that you really need our permission. And I said, well, OK, I, I appreciate you saying that. That makes me uncomfortable <laughs> to be like a wild gun. Right. Go do whatever you want. I said, but I, I do want you to vote. I, I need I need that. And I think people that will. Uh, we're going to ask to come alongside us uh, that would, they would appreciate it, Appreciate that as well. My board are very seasoned, very mature, successful Christian people, successful spiritually kingdom wise and in their individual lives. And the question was, uh, do we go all in on noble you and not radio? And that decision was unanimous. And so here's what's going to unfold over the next two months. Uh, Truth radio, Stu Epperson, my dear friends at Truth Radio, and I'm going to be talking about this, okay, over the next two months, so it's not like this is happening today, at least not on Truth Radio. So my last day uh, on radio, period, uh, will be Friday, December 22nd. That will be my very last day on live radio. Now, hold on a second. <laughs> my board also said you need to continue to create content that helps you in the classroom. It's important for the kingdom. And uh, it keeps you fresh. It keeps you sharp. So we want you to continue to do a podcast. And I agreed with that. So I'll be doing a podcast once a week starting in January. I don't know that it's going to be the first week of January, but we'll get it going in January. That'll be audio and video. It's going to look and sound very much like the radio show. I'm going to do a few different things. I don't have to worry about commercials. Uh, I might, with good interviews, I might do a little bit more of a longer format here and there. I actually think it could be better. But that'll be the Steve Noble Show podcast, which I'll give you a a word, a keyword that you can text to so that you can get on that list. And so once a week, uh, probably on Fridays, I'll be like, here it is. Uh, here's this week's podcast, uh, which would include video. Okay. And I, and I'm, I'm hopeful that that will be better. Um, so we'll start that sometime in January. Uh, so the truth radio, it's Stu Epperson. Most of you are listening on truth radio stations. Uh, final day will be Friday, December 22nd. On uh, Your Truth Radio, which is in Central North Carolina, and Ford Broadcasting, and these are dear brothers in Christ that run these networks, uh, I'll be done at the end of this month. So uh, October 27th will be the last day. Listen, y'all, I've done radio since 2007. Uh, I, I did Saturdays for three years, which was a huge cost to my family. At 12 noon, in the middle of the day, just ruins your ruins your Saturday with your family, with little kids, okay, back in 2007. Following the Lord, because he obviously clearly put me there. Got off the air after three years for a couple of months, pulled me back in. <laughs> daily started in February of 2011. So I've had this daily radio show that God's given me to steward since then, February 2011. Uh, to have a, a, a hardcore set schedule in your life, uh, is challenging. And to swim in the issues I swim in, to talk about the things I talk about, to do the prep and everything that I've done 
over the years to to prepare for the show, to get guests, just to deal with all that stuff is monumental. It's not small. It's a huge burden. That's why I didn't probably didn't vacation as much as we should because I felt obligated. And, you know, you can't go get that back. But that's starting in February of 2011. And then here we are all this time and over 3000 radio shows later. And and I and God has shown me enough to know that he's used this show in a lot of different ways. But not so much that I want to reach back and pat myself on the back. Uh, God knows he needs to keep me humble and he's good at it. Uh, but but I am so excited. I'm so ready. I'm, I've never been this focused on anything really in my adult life as I am with these classes, these students, Noble U, to, to add more and more students. I would personally like to teach 10,000 students before I'm done personally in the next 12, 13, 14 years. I think that's really doable. I want to add other teachers, other subjects. We want to reach students all over this country, predominantly high school and uh, middle school, eh. high school, definitely. Okay. And not only high school homeschoolers, but I'd like to go after kids in Christian homes that are stuck in the public school system. This is an enormous problem. There is an enormous need. It is an enormous mission field. And, and I can see really starting when I was in high school, how God has led me down this road. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm ready to, I, I haven't, y'all, other than my family, and even my family's had to pay a price, I haven't been able to pour 100% of myself into anything. Run a business, do call to action, political activism, and then radio and political activism and run a business. And then the business goes and activism and working with Greg Laurie and the Harvest Crusades and doing radio and then then throw you throw some teaching in there. I, I've never been able to give 100% of myself to anything. Uh, but that's all that's all going to change. Officially, my last day on Truth Radio will be Friday, December 22nd. And then I'll take a few weeks off being away from content. And then we'll start the podcast back up sometime in January. But on Ford Broadcasting and on Your Truth Radio, which is mostly all our central North Carolina stations, uh, October 27th, uh, the end of next week, that'll be uh, the end of that. Uh, and listen, I'm going to be talking. I'm not going to talk a bunch about all this stuff now. We got a couple months uh, to spend together. We're going to keep trying to do great shows, great content. Praise the Lord. Make a kingdom difference. And we'll we'll reminisce. There'll be time for that. I'll open up the phones. I would love to hear from you. Not to be a, I'm not going to be begging for, hey, call in and make me feel good. I just want to have that conversation and talk about what it's meant. Not from me, but what the Lord has done. What has the Lord done with this <laughs> for all these years? 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. So there you go. Uh, pray for me. Pray for my board. Pray for my family. There are some significant challenges that come along with a lane change like this, financially and otherwise. I'll ask you for your support, but God willing, in a couple years, I'll never have to raise another dime. And uh, Noble U will be self-supporting, and we're going to just go big or go home trying to reach the next generation with the truth of God's word overlaid with the issues of life. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.